Mac Power Users, episode 681, Cloudy with a Chance of Beach Balls. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks. I am joined by your friend of mine, Mr. Stephen Hackett. How are you doing, Stephen? I'm good, David. How are you? Uh, so good, man. So good. And we are recording a deep dive today. I love it when we do that. Uh, we're going deep today on iCloud. That's right. Apple and the cloud. Remember when that just brought a sense of dread and foreboding? <laughs> I do. Yeah. Uh, I do. And deep dive is right. This Google Doc is 10 pages long. <laughs> it yeah. got out of hand. Let's just say that. Yeah. Well, iCloud has evolved. That's for sure. It's and, so um, complicated. That That's like the big overarching thing. We're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but iCloud is complicated. <laughs> There's a lot yeah. of parts to it. Yeah. And it's also hard to talk about, you know, it is. because it's so complicated. But like I said, we're getting ahead of stuff. Before we get into the episode, a couple of preliminary announcements. The Max Barkey merch is up um, as this show publishes there's only a few days left so if you want some max barkey merch go to the link in the show notes it's really cool there's t-shirts sweatshirts and a zip up hoodie they use that embroidered logo kind of like we did for the mpu stuff but it's mm-hmm. got the max barkey bolt on it and uh people are buying them people like them and uh, you should check it out too that's awesome i've uh, i'm ordering the the tea and the navy tri-blend because I, I told you before i love cotton bureau's tri-blend shirt it's the bulk of what's in my closet. Very yeah. excited. I have uh, quite a few relay related shirts from Cotton Bureau as well. <laughs> and uh, I like them. And uh, I'm really happy to have the. I feel like the whole thing with the embroidery, it's like I'm like classing up the room a bit. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the Max Barkey merch has always been just basically t shirts. But this year I was able to get these, uh, these embroidered shirts, which I feel like are just nicer. Yeah. But anyway, you can check it out. There's a link in the show notes. Go get it. I eagerly await the Max Sparky three piece three piece suit. You know, you got to keep upping. Oh man, there will never be a Max Sparky. <laughs> That's the least Sparky thing I can think of, actually. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I was just telling Daisy, I have not worn a tie since I stopped practicing law. That's awesome. And I was thinking, when would I need to wear a tie? You know, I was thinking, well, like, like if you go to a wedding in the Philippines, they have this 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 uh, tradition where they have formal wear. It's like a shirt. They call it a barong. And since my wife is Filipino, I'm thinking I could probably get away with a barong for most big family events. I, I, I might make it a life goal not to wear another tie, Stephen. There you go. I, I'm, I may do that. I, I have definitely put my time in with the necktie. You did. You did. All right. <laughs> a couple other quick housekeeping things. One, I, we should thank the Relay FM members Discord for helping me crowdsource the name of this episode. They, uh, yeah, they, they absolutely nailed it. It was a group effort. I don't want to give credit to one single person, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun because uh, I was like, I, I need a fun, fun title for this, right? iCloud Overview is boring. What what could we spice it up with? So, cloudy with a chance of beach balls is just perfect. Did you ever see that movie? Oh yeah, yeah. Did you you know the protagonist's name in that movie? I don't remember. Sam Sparks. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's hilarious. And a lot of people know me as Sam Sparks, believe it or not. Hmm. That's my, that's my unofficial name. Have I ever told you that story? No. My dad wanted to name me Omer Samuel Sparks. O-M-E-R Samuel after the two grandparents. Okay. And my mom's like, you know, hell no. 
And it, this is in the 60s, so they just got the birth certificate fight, and my mom got to it first, and I became David. So my dad refused to call me David. When I was a kid, I was very confused because my dad called me Sam, and my mom called me David. <laughs> and the uh, uh, and a lot of family members called me Sam. So just saying, Sam Sparks, Cloudy and a Chance of Meatballs. There you go. Today on More Power Users, we're going to look back at iCloud's immediate predecessor, uh, Mobile Me. iCloud is actually Apple's fourth swing at a consumer cloud services. There was iTools, .Mac, Mobile Me, and then iCloud. And out of the but you, but you only get three swings, man. You're out after three. Oh, look, I'm not a big baseball guy. I mean, it's, pff, all right. Well, you know. well, they they were out with Mobile Me. That's the point. Yeah, <laughs> they, they struck yeah. out with Mobile Me. See, we we pulled it in. We saved New the metaphor. Batter. Yeah. So, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, if you are interested in hearing longer ad-free versions of the show, we do them each and every week. There are, There's a join button in your podcast player. It's the top of the links. And it's also on the website at relay.fm slash mpu slash join. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We have, uh, we have a good time and more power users. And uh, so let's just get into it with the iCloud story. You know, first there was a bunch of stuff. And then one day we had iCloud. Yeah, yeah. So this is back at uh, WBC 2011. It would prove to be Steve's last keynote, and I, I went and rewatched it, and like, it's hard to watch. I mean, yeah, he, he's, he's very not, he's clearly not, well. not doing well. Yeah, but uh, this is iOS five and OS ten Lion or OS ten Linen. If you were on the internet and clever in 2011, that's the time frame to kind of root this in. It's a long time ago. We've had iCloud now for 12 years. And in the beginning, iCloud really was sort of a reboot of MobileMe and its core services. And then they added a handful of other things to it. And as we go through this episode, really like iCloud is complicated. It's hard to talk about because really iCloud is, I think of it as a collection of things and not just a single thing. But even back in the beginning, it was sort of these separate features that sometimes they interacted and sometimes they didn't, but all kind of under the the brand of iCloud. iCloud is more of a brand than like a a, a silo of technology that's all perfectly related. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's almost like saying what Fords are too fast or too slow. You know, they have they make a lot of cars. You can't mm-hmm. just put it on a label and i iCloud carries so much weight at apple it's like anything that relates to the cloud call it iCloud you know yeah, yeah. maybe they just didn't they they were tired of coming up with new names for stuff so there's like all things that touch the cloud are iCloud and yeah. uh so when someone says iCloud's awesome or iCloud sucks you don't know what they're talking about because you don't know which iCloud they're talking about. They they really are different products, but they all carry the same name. Yeah. And and in the uh the beginning days, the core of it was really the core of mobile me. So it was contacts, calendar, and mail. So you could seek your sync your events and your contacts and your email all wirelessly. The big sort of sea change with iCloud was that the Mac was just going to be another device. He kind of opens this keynote of like, yeah, like you buy something on one device or you have an email on one, you got to like sync it to your computer and sync it back. And maybe you have mobile me, maybe you don't, but 
with iCloud, the idea was the Mac and the iPhone and the iPad, they're all sort of on uh, equal footing. And the cloud, the the bunch of servers in North Carolina, <laughs> that's where uh, your data actually is. And then that's sort of the, the, the record of truth. I think in this keynote job says the, the truth is in the cloud. That's sort of the record. And so everyone got that that contacts calendar and mail. And iCloud was free. MobileMe was not. MobileMe was $100 a year. But to that core, they started adding on things. And I think, in hindsight, the funniest one to me is downloading apps and books from Apple stores on more than one device. I mean, at the time, I honestly had like blocked out of my memory. You would like buy a song on your phone right? Like, you know, you're out somewhere and you hear a song and you purchase a single. Well, then you had to sync your phone with your computer to get it on your computer. And then if you wanted your iPad, you had to sync your iPad. And it was a mess. It really was. And I'm sure all of us who were using these devices at the time remember, like, you would go out somewhere and, like, look for a photo that maybe you had taken on your iPad or added to iPhoto on your Mac and it wasn't on your phone because you hadn't plugged your phone in. Like that was where we were coming from. But the idea that you can like download a book on your iPad and also download it on your phone, like that's just so baked into how we think about things now. I mean, most apps now are universal where they run on all these platforms and you can auto download them. But at the time, it was awesome to see this get added to the ecosystem. Yeah, I mean, it really was a sea change when he said the truth is in the cloud because historically, Apple had taken the opposite position that the truth was on your Mac. Mm -hmm. Throughout that time, you know, Google and these other companies are emerging with cloud-based services. And uh, for Apple to finally say, okay, we're there too. It's in the cloud now. Um, That was a big deal. Absolutely. Uh, A couple other things that, Uh, were added to the beginning of iCloud is you had device backup. So you could still, you still can to this day, plug in your phone with a lightning cable and get a backup. Now it's in Finder instead of iTunes, but it's all still there. Uh, This was cloud backup. So when your phone was charging at night and on Wi-Fi, it would make a, uh, a backup to iCloud. You got, I hope you're sitting down for this, five gigabytes of storage. And, uh, that's still the default 12 years later. Five gigabytes. I mean, it's nothing. I don't know what to say, man. I haven't, this is so, this is such a thing. I have a standard line that the, you know, the Beatles were together for a shorter period of time than we've had five gigabytes. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, that's a good one, by the way. I think it's 11 years the, the Beatles were together. I so, think so. If, if anybody ever, if you ever want to like contrast something, but that's, that's it. I mean, five gigabytes. I mean, <laughs> uh, th- there's just no words. Is that the one thing you would fix if you could fix one thing at Apple? Yeah, be- because as we go through this, like so much of these devices is now dependent on these services that uh, it's just a bad user experience Like <laughs> to-, to hit that limit. I mean, when you buy a $1,200 iPhone, you should just have free storage of your photos yeah. and not have to pay. But uh, the one thing I would fix, honestly, would probably be Siri, but this would be right after that. <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, knock Siri out in the morning, eat lunch, you know, yeah. buy some hard drives for the iPhone. Oh, you know, t- take a week for Siri. Just take a week. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, uh, we also had PhotoStream, which is was confusing then and is still confusing now to me, where basically your camera roll, if you remember that, 
would be in the cloud. And so you could then like pluck things out of the photo stream as they went by you. And if you were on the Mac and you had iPhoto set up with it, it would just download all of them. Definitely not what we have today in terms of iCloud photo library. This was more about I've taken a picture with my phone or I've added a picture to my Mac and I want it elsewhere. This was not syncing of your entire photo library. It was it was pretty different. Like I said, I think a fairly confusing feature. Yeah, Apple is very private, but I would love to graph the development of these features against the number of data centers they've built. Because mm. I feel like, you know, in 2011, they decided the cloud mattered, but they did not have the data centers they needed. I mean, that the photo, the photo stream is a great example that like, guys, we can't store everybody's photos. We don't have enough data storage. Okay, well, let's give them their last, you know, was it, I think, was it a thousand photos? It was like some number. Yeah. And they said, let's give them this many. Okay, we could do that, <laughs> you know? And then eventually the data centers get built out and then iCloud grows to become iCloud photos and, you know, iCloud mm-hmm. photos. But, the, uh, but you know, I, I bet that if you looked at their build out of the data centers and the features, you would see a correlation. Yeah. One thing that's noticeably absent in these early days of iCloud is what we now know as iCloud Drive. This is definitely back in the day of, the app controls its own files. So like you open the mail app to view your email. Well, in in this time period, Apple was really pushing, you open the pages document and you you open the pages application and all of your documents are there. And if you need your keynote files, you open the keynote app and it manages all of its own files. That is still around today. Apple's really broken down those walls. This was very much like a pushback to the idea of something like, uh, Dropbox, which Jobs sort of infamously mocked and called it a feature, not a product. Uh, sick burn by Steve Jobs there. Like, yeah. The idea was iCloud was to enrich your applications, not be like a big, you know, hard drive in the sky. And I think that was the wrong approach, and they've definitely backed away from it over the years. But this is just deep in that time period, uh, especially, I mean, this was on the Mac too, where like, you open the application and then you deal with your files. You don't deal with the file system anymore. And iCloud was there to like get your things in kind of behind the scenes for all the, all the applications. But this early version of iCloud was not, uh, it didn't have a folder somewhere that you synced stuff to. It was like apps were kind of doing it in the background. Yeah. It was weird. <laughs> it was a weird time. I, you know, if you think, I mean, looking back, I really believe that that whole thing where they tried to do app-based file storage, that was an attempt to change the paradigm. I, I don't think that was born out of lack of data centers or some, you know, some commercial reason. I feel like they really just thought that it needed to be easier and that was their solution. Yeah, and- And in this period, Apple talked a lot about like the file system is confusing to people and we want to make it easier for people who are learning these devices to get around. And that's good and noble, but it really sort of kneecapped a bunch of people who didn't work that way. Yeah. And if you're going to replace, you know, a, a 30 or 40 year old paradigm, you've got to have a solution that takes care of power users. And that one didn't. I mean a lot of us would store files together based on project and not app and, yeah. you know, and eventually they gave up on that. But yeah, that, that was a weird time. It, it was. Um, 
in the 12 years since, iCloud definitely has evolved and I think has become, the way I think about it is really the glue kind of between all the pieces of Apple's ecosystem. And a lot of the things now that really make like an iPhone, for example, so good, what's actually like iCloud doing stuff. And it's kind of hard to draw the line between these things. And and there's, you know, real complaints to be made about that. You know, if you're, if you don't want to use iCloud or you can't afford the storage, or you just want to have a device that's not getting your stuff on the internet the way iCloud does, like, yeah, it's kind of harder and harder to live without it. And that, I mean, this is not the conversation for today, but iCloud can do things that other cloud services can't. Like you can use Gmail and sync your contacts and calendars and mail just fine, but you can't use Google Drive to like get things uh, into your Pages application, right? There are things that only iCloud can do. You can't back up your iPhone to Dropbox the way you can to iCloud. And so Apple does have a uh, a footing as the platform vendor here that you know some people are uncomfortable with, but I think at the end of the day, uh, iCloud is doing a lot and doing most of it uh, pretty well. I think the the adage of Apple being bad at services, there there's still examples of that. But I think overall, like if you back up and take your glasses off, like iCloud on the whole, it's pretty solid. And, you know, we'll get to how we use it. But I think, you know, looking back over the last 12 years, clearly they've taken it extremely seriously. And that's been good to see. Yeah, and I think what you could say now is Apple is no longer bad at the cloud, but they're still not the best at it. I mean, there are other companies that do it better. Yeah. And that, you know, Google is probably the the top of the heap because that's been their focus from day one. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure Apple was shooting to be the best, you know. Um, but they were definitely shooting not to be bad, and they are no longer bad. But but I, I, having said that, I fully expect your emails telling me about that time contacts didn't work or whatever. Sure, I, I get it. You know, here it comes. But the uh, <laughs> we've all had that. I mean, you know, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and we got some things we want to talk about throughout the outline about problems with it. But um, I think you know, looking at it objectively, iCloud, I think they could probably say you know, kind of mission accomplished. They they did build a cloud infrastructure that supports a very diverse ecosystem of hardware and software that generally works. And that's what we wanted. This episode of the Mac power users is brought to you by text expander. Get 20% off your first year. Just go to textexpander.com slash MPU. Man, do I love text expander. I use it every day. I use it for so many different things. I have thousands of text expansion snippet because I am creating them all the time. Anytime I type text that I want to get just right every time I use text expander. This ranges from things as simple as a little typo that I can't seem to get out of my brain for proper nouns to reams of form text that I need to use over and over again. One of the cool things about Text Expander is when they send you those reports. Back when I was practicing law and I was using Text Expander to write contracts, Text Expander would literally save me days of every year. Text Expander's powerful shortcuts and abbreviations streamline your work. Just create snippets for anything that you type repetitively and let Text Expander do the work for you. And if you like automation, Text Expander has also got you covered with things like fill in fields, or it can automatically insert the date or it can run an Apple script for you. All of that stuff is possible 
making text expansion more powerful with Text Expander than any other tool on the market. Here's a power tip for you. If you've got Text Expander or you're thinking about Text Expander and you're worried that you're going to have trouble keeping track of all those snippets, Text Expander has a search field and you can customize the mapping. So on my Mac, it's Control Option Command I. I type that, then I type any word out of a snippet and Text Expander finds it for me and inserts it. But you're not going to need that for the ones you use repetitively because they just fly out of your fingers and Text Expander fills in that type for you. Text Expander is available on any device you use across any app you use on Mac, Windows, Chrome, and iOS. And if repetitive typing is getting you down, you need Text Expander. Check it out right now. Go to textexpander.com/mpu and you can get 20% off your first year. Once again, that's textexpander.com/mpu to say goodbye to repetitive typing. And our thanks to Text Expander for the support of the Mac Power users. So let's get into some of the the more modern iCloud features. And we're not going to hit every single one because there's a lot of them, but let's hit the the tent poles. And I want to start with something that has been around for maybe like seven or eight years now, and it's iCloud family sharing. And I, I remember when this came out, uh, it was a big deal because a lot of people, and I will put myself squarely in this, had been using an Apple ID for iTunes purchases and things like that. And I had an iCloud account with my contacts and my wife had her iCloud account with all of her stuff, but there was no real way to share things like purchases and content with family members easily. And iCloud family sharing came along and let's, uh, you, the organizer, add five family members and you can share media, apps, and subscriptions. Now, developers opt into that, right? So some developers say, no, actually, like, you know, my tool's expensive, you know, my application's expensive. I don't want to put it in family sharing, but a lot of them do support it now. And it lets you uh, manage all the stuff for people in, in your family or in your household. And, um, we use it, and it's been great. How has your experience been with it? It's good. I mean, again, it had a rocky beginning. Um, I had a lot of trouble with it at the beginning. I was an early adopter for the family, and we had a bunch of issues. But we eventually, it got sorted out, and it works. Um, you know, this is limited to five family members. Um, you have varying degrees of control. And I've been pretty, had a pretty soft hand at it. I mean, I basically let my kids buy stuff if they want to buy it, etc. Um, and they don't abuse it. Um, but I feel like it's kind of found its footing. I mean, you did make a reference to the legacy account issues where people had like, you bought an iPod in the early aughts and Mm -hmm. you had an account and then iCloud, you know, one of the problems with iCloud showing up is then you would get individual accounts for your email and, and whatnot. So then even individuals would end up with two accounts. You'd have like the you know, the, for, the the world-facing account that had your email, your contacts, and your calendars. And then you had this old account with a bunch of purchases in it. And Apple really still hasn't solved that problem. I mean, I'm sure it's legal that they can't. They'd love to just say, okay, everything you bought in this account can be transferred to that account. Mm-hmm. You know? But I'm sure that those contracts are probably written in a way that doesn't make that possible. Right. Um, I can tell you during the last 11 years, frankly, about two years ago, I just decided that my mobile me primary account and not my legacy account was going to be the thing I started buying things in. Mm -hmm. 
but I still have the legacy account and I have that as a member of the family. Yes. So that way I can still watch all the movies. I mean, the movies is really the biggest problem because I bought a lot of movies on the legacy account. Yeah. Same, but like <laughs> a all, lot of all, content and all my app subscriptions and whatnot have just kind of transitioned over to the new account. And I, you know, I, it, it, once in a while I have to go log into the legacy account, but I've largely left it behind me now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was possible because of family sharing, you know? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a bunch of stuff they've done with this, but I, you know, it, it's, it's another thing like Apple maps where uh, family sharing for people who were there at the beginning, got a sour taste of it, myself included, but they got it sorted out and it reliably works. And not only does it give you a way to share apps, it also gives you a way to share a pool of data, which we'll get into later. And it also gives you some real conveniences like a shared calendar and some other things if you want those additional features. But uh, in my family, it's become a part of our kind of daily life. One nice thing about it is as your kids get older, when they turn 18, that you have an option so they can take control over their Apple ID. And so the Apple ID that like uh, my oldest two kids have Apple IDs and they're part of our family sharing you know, when our daughter turns 18 and she wants to, you know, take her Apple ID with her, uh, she can. And it means that they're not completely starting over. Now, there's some obviously some ramifications there with the shared purchases and things, but uh, at least they have have thought that through. And uh, one of my actually favorite features of it is linking screen times from kids devices. So my kids are a lot younger than yours. You have screen time on their on their devices and I can manage those from my phone. And of course they also have the related feature where like if they want to make a purchase, it comes to me for approval. I can approve it just with face ID on my phone. You used to have to log in every time and that was miserable, but now you can just use face ID, but it, it does give you uh, a lot of that connective tissue between the devices. And it's, it's pretty awesome. It was scary setting it up because of that legacy account, but honestly I've had no problems with it and I've been running it probably six or so. I mean, I didn't jump on in the very beginning, but I think about a year in I jumped in and it's been, uh, it's been really smooth here in the Hackett household. Yeah. All right. You want to talk about the shared photo library? Yes. Yeah. We've covered this, but it is finally here. I mean, after years and years of asking where you can uh, share your photo library with somebody else. This is separate and independent from iCloud family sharing. So just because someone is in your family doesn't mean they automatically have access to the shared photo library, which is exactly what I wanted. My wife and I share the photo library. The kids are not in it. You know, one day maybe they'll get access to it, but right now they don't. On the flip side, you don't have to be in the family to share it. You don't have to right. use a, a family plan to do sharing. You could share it, you know, Let's say, you know, you have a significant other and you want to share a library. You could do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, without using iCloud family sharing or, you know, maybe, yeah. you know, uh, like if you have a grandparent, you know, one of your parents lives with you and, you know, you could add them to the shared photo library, but not your family sharing plan. So there's there's some independence there. And I'm really glad Apple built it that way. I think it makes a lot of sense uh, to keep that a little bit separate. There are some limitations. The big one that gets me is that there's no albums in shared photo libraries. So I'm, I'm finally doing what you told me to do years and years ago. It's like, give up on the idea of albums. <laughs> it's like, okay. So I'm slowly working through our shared photo library, making sure things at the very least have uh, dates and locations. A lot of our photos don't have location on them. I don't know why. 
Um, so I've been slowly working through that just so the search has more data, you know, I can more easily find things. Yeah. But all in all, like Mary and I have, we moved to this basically as soon as it came out in the public release. And I love it. I, I really love that if, you know, they go to the park and, you know, I'm at work or, or, you know, say that, uh, you know, just like me and the boys go somewhere and like, I could take some pictures. Like if we're out doing something, having a boy's day and they're, you know, my wife has access to them. Like, it's just really nice. And I've, I've in the sh- few short months it's been out, I'm already like totally in on the iCloud shared photo library lifestyle. Me too. And like one of the issues, in addition to everything you just said, my iPhone is uh, three years newer than my wife. So mm-hmm. it takes better pictures. And yeah. we always did this thing where we'd be out and she'd take a picture. She'd want to take a picture because she's much better at the, you know, sharing social media stuff than I am. But I have the better camera. So, you know, we'd take the picture with my camera, then I have to airdrop it to her, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now it's all solved. And uh, uh, I am a big fan of it. I've, as well, have only been running it a few months, but we've had zero problems. And uh, Daisy, who's not a super user, totally gets it. You know, there's a little button in the top left corner. You push it, and then you're sharing, and yep. then you can turn it off to stop sharing. And uh, or they do also have the ability to make it um, smarter, where like it's like if you're together, then it automatically shares. I find manually uh, managing it is better, but the um, but to each zone and uh, good job, Apple, you know, putting this together. Yeah. One of the questions I got was, can I have multiple shared libraries? Like somebody want to have one with his wife and then one with somebody else. And I said, it doesn't work that way. You only get one. You only so, get one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a huge use case. And I can't, I mean, I assume that one reason this took so long was the complication involved, especially around some of the privacy stuff. And, uh, it'd be even more complicated if you had multiple no. ones. So I wouldn't hold no. my breath there. Yeah, my advice was you still can do old school sharing, photo sharing. Yeah. You can make a shared album. You know, just if you've got someone you want to share pictures with outside of photo sharing. But the uh, yeah, this is a great feature, and like you said, we we've covered a lot the last six months. But you know, good on Apple. They promised it and they delivered. How about iCloud Drive? Yeah. So this this came along as a sort of a, a bit of a retreat from the your apps run all your files and you will like it kind of mindset. Yeah. Uh, it's basically a folder in finder or in the files app and you can set up shared folders just like you can on Dropbox where multiple people have access to them. Uh, if you're on the Mac, you can optionally sync your desktop and documents folders to iCloud drive. So if you have a desktop and a laptop, things on your desktop and one machine would be synced to the other one. And uh, that, I don't know how it is in Ventura. For a while, that was defaulted to be on when you signed in with iCloud, and it caused some people storage headaches. Like, I don't understand where my storage went. Oh, because you have 20 gigabytes of documents, and they're all on iCloud now. But uh, you can't actually sync that. I don't use that option, even though I'm a multi-computer person. Uh, Do you? Do you opt in for that? No. Uh, but you know, it's, it's there if you want it, but the things I do on my different devices are, are very different. Like Mm -hmm. my MacBook pro is a production machine and it's got heavy, heavy 4k videos and stuff. And I use the desktop as a workspace when I'm doing that. 
there's no reason to like send that stuff down to the little tiny MacBook, and I never would use it there. So I just turned all that off. But yeah, I do think that um, iCloud Drive it, it kind of is Apple making good on Steve Jobs' promise to the Dropbox guy, saying you've got a feature. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know they. Again, you know, kind of going back to the general theme, I don't think iCloud is the best cloud-based storage. Um, it is very useful if you are using Apple ecosystem stuff. So I use it deeply, uh, but it could be better. And, uh, you know, the the short version of my complaints is somebody who uses it every day, number one, not enough granular control. Um you you really do, you know, like Dropbox has a pretty easy system where you say I want to keep this on my local device or I don't you know mm-hmm. and Apple kind of does that but it doesn't seem like it really respects my choices like on you can right click on a folder and say you know keep local but then it might not you know and yeah. you're not really sure what's going on it's got these very cryptic icons and sometimes it seems like it's downloading forever. It just it's just not as obvious and user friendly as Dropbox. Uh, in terms of stability, I think it's been fine. I haven't really had any problems with it. But uh, you know, just as an example of all these things tying together, one of the nice things about iCloud is you can tie it into family sharing. So we have the four terabyte plan, and so everybody's photos and all the documents and everything gets put into one pool. And it's a cost-saving feature, but it's also just a nice way of keeping everything. And that way I know my kids' pictures are getting backed up as well as my wife's. Mm-hmm. For for me, my my frustration with iCloud Drive is the same as yours, some of the, the lack of control. Uh, the other thing, and it's, I mean, this is like, it's a cosmetic complaint, but I really don't like that all the apps get their own folders in the root level of iCloud Drive. I yeah. would much rather have all of those in a folder named apps, but like, like I look at my iCloud drive and find it right now. And there's 36 folders and like 30 of them are from apps that I've used or tried over the years. And it just, it makes it difficult to, to sort of uh, scan and see what I, what I really want to do. Yeah. I, I don't like that. And uh, I feel like that's kind of like a legacy thing from the old days where they thought apps should be your document centers. And then, the other problem with that, of course, is you've got two places you need to look. Like, I'm looking for a keynote file, and I thought I saved it with a project. And if it's not there, it's likely in the keynote fly, fly, uh, folder on I, iCloud. You know, and it's like you've got to remember that. And for people like us and the people listening to the show, that's probably not that hard to remember. But for people out there who are not so you know technically inclined, the fact that there's two different places just makes the finder all that more cryptic to them. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I I um iCloud Drive is one of my favorite features of iCloud. I I really like it. I but I also really wish it was better. You know, I wish we had more control over the way things were done. I frankly wish it was faster. And I also wish that they had more tiers for storage and that they were cheaper. I mean, Four terabytes honestly isn't enough for my family. We are pushing the limits of it at this point. And I've been looking into it in preparation for today's show, but also my own needs. And I think what I'm going to have to do is just like buy separate, have my daughter get her own iCloud drive account to get her off of the family so I can free up enough space for the the remainders of us. And yeah. 
because she takes a lot of pictures and she's got a lot of, you know, she's using up a, a big chunk of it. And, and, you know, why not have an eight terabyte plan for a family? You know, mm-hmm. they could do it. You know, maybe this is that thing that goes on the graph of, you know, available data centers versus amount of storage they're selling. But uh, I do think that I get the impression they feel like it's good enough. You know, it's been years since we've seen real core improvements to iCloud Drive. And uh, I think that they really shouldn't feel that way. I think there's more work to be done. A couple of other things related to iCloud Drive are iWork and Notes, Sync, and Collaboration. Apple has played with iWork collaboration in iCloud for like a decade. Early versions were not very good, but now they work uh, basically like the way Freeform works. I remember that episode uh, a couple of months ago where you have your Pages app, you know, on your Mac or your iPad or your phone, and you can see what other people are doing real-time-ish. It's not real-time, real-time like Google Docs is, but it's pretty good. And you can... Uh, Also access those and do some of those edits on the iCloud website. Uh, Those web versions aren't quite as full-featured as the desktop versions, but they've come a a real long way. Most of what you need is there now. And uh, and Notes is basically the same. You add somebody, you control their access, and you can see what they're doing. And and all these apps have a new sidebar where you can, like, see changes, uh, you know, like history of changes, which is really, really nice. Um, I'm not a big iWork user day-to-day, but I do use Apple Notes a lot and have a bunch of shared notes with different people. I have a whole shared folder with Mary, and it's great. Like, we're planning uh, a trip for the summer, and we're just, like, throwing things in there and updating it. And I just get a little notification saying, hey, Mary updated this note, and I go see it. And it's been it's been really solid. Yeah, and I think that's a great example of the usage for it. I've done a similar thing. I've got a trip planned uh, later this year with some friends. And I just created an Apple note. They're all Apple people. So I uh, I put uh, an Apple note and shared it with all of them. And like they are dropping in their flight plans and itineraries and whatnot. So we can all just see what each other are doing. And same thing. We can put the hotel information in there once and everybody has it. And it's it's all good. And I think that's what it's really made for. I think when you compare it to collaborative tools like Google, it's not going to hold up. But again, this is not the primary focus of these apps. You know, I mean, if I had to choose pages or docs for writing things, I would probably choose pages. You know, docs is good at collaboration, but that's about it. And so I I think that they've got their priorities in the right place. But the other thing I know with the iWork suite um, and notes as well is Apple is continually working on this collaboration with it, and we get regular improvements to it. I think like five years from now, it's going to be better than it is now, where like some of these other products, you don't see the same amount of attention. Yeah, I think that's I think that's totally fair. I think they know they have to get the sharing good because everything else, I mean, you mentioned Docs, but Office has this as well, right? This is... yeah table stakes now when it comes to productivity software. And so they, they've got to take it, got to take it seriously. And and we, we had fun poking uh, uh, fun at it with Freeform a few months ago, but Freeform is a, you know, stage one application. They just released it. And that wasn't really fair. If you listen to that show and you're like, wow, that was pretty bad. Some of the problems, you don't have those problems with notes. No, 
they will get free form sorted out soon enough. They will. Uh, I totally uh, believe that. And I, I think if you want to be all in on the, uh, the Apple sort of ecosystem with this stuff, then it's awesome that it's there. And if you don't ever need the collaboration, it also doesn't get in your way. So it's, yeah. it's totally additional messages in the cloud. All right. This is a, another relatively new feature. Um, the idea is, you know, you would have different sets of messages, red status and all that, depending on which device you had. And as Apple made more devices, it's no fun to go to your iPad and see 22 unread messages, even though you know you've read those messages on your phone, right? So mm-hmm. they tried to fix that problem, but they also had the additional issue of end-to-end encryption. And so this messages in the cloud is not a trivial feature. It's not. And it's not, it's also not like completely bulletproof. Like you still sometimes have a thing where you're just waiting on your Mac to catch up, but it is a lot better. Uh, you turn it on on a per device basis. Sometimes it's called messages messages in the cloud. Other places it's called iCloud for messages. I don't know what the actual name is. I'm going to say messages in the cloud because that's what the Mac OS version of messages calls it. But the idea is that it, it syncs the, the send and receive and red stats, all that stuff that you mentioned. It also enables collaboration via iMessage. So if you have this on, you get... Uh, some of that collaboration that we talked about earlier is, is easier to set up. You can do it right through messages. Uh, you can also collaborate like in Safari and some other things that are new this year that I honestly have not spent much time with. But the big the big feature of this is, I think, uh, syncing it in the cloud. Now, when we're talking about storage. If you're like a lot of us and you have however long iMessage has been around, that much history, right? That amount of data could be pretty big. And it may cause you issues with your iCloud storage. And I have it turned on because while it's still occasionally a little slow to, to sync up, uh, it means that if I sign into a new device or I have to erase a device and reset it up, that all my history is there, that I'm not starting from scratch. And I find that very useful. You know, how many times does someone like text you something and you need to reference it later and you didn't, you know, put it in your notes app or in a task or something like, I like having it all the same everywhere. And so I've got this on and it's been, uh, it's been great. You get a little status on occasion, like when it's uploading, but then once it's done syncing, it's been, it's been pretty awesome. Yeah. It took them a while to get this one out the door. And I also have it enabled on all devices and really appreciate it. I I remember the days before it and I don't want to go back. Uh, You know, this is another one of the iCloud services that I am. I'm a fan of and just haven't had any problem at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Another like rock solid piece of it for me has been the iCloud keychain, uh, where you can store and sync passwords and then have them work across devices. Yeah, this is not something I I use. Um, I may have okay. a handful of passwords in there, really, just as I've been playing with it because this is something that has been getting attention on an ongoing basis. To the degree where like it used to be kind of hidden away, and it's still not its own application, which blows my mind. Like I don't understand why there's not a keychain app on iOS and one of the Mac that's not like the system keychain program that no one should ever look at. It's in settings. It's in system settings. It's in Safari. But uh, a standalone app, would, I think, would make this more approachable to people. Uh, there's no family sharing here. And uh, and like I said, there's no dedicated app. So there's there's some some work to be done here. 
if this added family sharing, I think it would go a long way to most people what they want. Maybe that's coming. Uh, but it does support all the modern stuff. So you get passwords, but you also get two-factor authentication, get passkey support, and it uses the same autofill system that like third-party password managers like one password can use. And so even though it is buried in settings, you're not going in, in there very often. And I guess that makes it a little bit better. But uh, this is not one that I've got a ton of experience with, uh, to be honest. And it's really because I'm happy with where I am. Uh, but it is uh, it is there if you've never tried a password manager before. Like using the built-in one is probably a pretty easy place to start. Well, it's definitely better than nothing, but it's not as good as some of the third-party options. Yeah. I, I guess we should say 1Password is a sponsor of the show. So of course. Take it as you will, but you know it does more. So, but I, I use this uh, for some of my stuff, and uh, I think it's fine. You know, if that's all you want. A couple of just uh, miscellaneous things down here is that iCloud is also the glue for a lot of third-party applications. Uh, a lot of third-party apps will use iCloud to sync preferences or little bits of data. So, like your weather app, it knows your theme and location across your various devices, or you open your text editor that's not notes. And if it's iCloud enabled, all your notes are there. And I think this is in one way, like where iCloud is kind of the most wound up in the ecosystem is that most of the time it's invisible and we don't even think about it. Like a lot of these applications don't even offer a setting to not use iCloud. You can go into iCloud settings and disable the application's access to your iCloud. But a lot of them just do this now out of the box, and I yeah, think that's fantastic. And then they break. Like if you if you turn off iCloud for some of these things, they just stop really working, right? Some of them do, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I like that um, I don't have to think about this uh, very often. That's pretty sweet. But it is something that if you want to live without iCloud for some reason, it's not just the Apple apps that are going to be affected. You're going to have a, a less fun time across a, a bunch of different things. This is so much of a better experience than what we originally had. You know, when they first released the iPad, that's when a lot of us ran into these problems because everybody had an iPhone. But then when you got an iPad, that was a second mobile device. And Apple's solution at that point was copper wire. I mean, you used to connect the iPad and go on iTunes and move documents. That was the way you did it. And it was nuts. And this built-in iCloud sync service was the solution. Be before this showed up, Dropbox made an API that a bunch of developers started using. So you'd get a new app and you have to go and configure the Dropbox sync and then manage that separately. And it was just a big pain in the neck. Now you just start using an app and it works. And you know, this is another really good piece of the iCloud. This episode of MPU is made possible by ZocDoc. When someone is just exceptionally good at what they do, waiter, chef, or doctor, you know you're in good hands. It's like seeing that waiter balance five trays of sizzling fajitas on one arm. You're confident in them. When you find the right doctor, you can feel it. You feel heard, and you feel at ease. On ZocDoc, finding the doctor that's right for you is seamless. The quality care you need is just a few taps away in the ZocDoc app. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun. When finding a doctor, it's so important that you can find someone who you trust, who you connect with. 
And ZocDoc's system of patient reviews really make that easier. So when you go into a doctor's office, you know what to expect. Whether you're not feeling your best or you're just trying to hold it together, finding great care shouldn't take up all your energy. That's where ZocDoc comes in. Use their free app that millions of users rely on, and you can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule. Book an appointment with a few taps in their app and start feeling better faster with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com MPU and download the app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com MPU, Z-O-C-D-O-C, ZocDoc.com MPU. Our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of the show and all of Relay FM. All right. Uh, so we've been talking about iCloud and it was fun, you know, as we prepped for the show, realizing there's, there's so much to iCloud. It's actually hard to keep track of it all because you know how the Marvel universe has like phases. I feel like we're in like the third phase of iCloud lately with a bunch of new features showing up on top of everything we've already discussed. And that started with me for iCloud plus. And, you know, we've talked about iCloud being this thing where you can buy amounts of storage, but iCloud Plus kind of pluses it up. It, it gets you up to another level. It brings your storage up to two terabytes, and then it adds additional features. Yeah, it is a, it's an interesting thing because some of this pre-existed the iCloud Plus branding. Like forever, you could just go buy additional storage. But they have, in the the recent couple of years, added actual features to this as well. And uh, we can debate, I think, the merit of of some of them. Um, the storage, though, I actually want to talk about first because I think that's the reason that most people end up chipping in <laughs> each month to yeah. Apple. Sure. So, so you get the five gigabytes for free, and they have a, a deal now that started last year where if you are transferring between phones with iCloud, you will temporarily get enough data to do that, but then it they take it back away. Um, but you get... I- uh, I find that hilarious, by the way, that they realize that they don't give you enough to to transfer to a new phone. So we'll give it to you just long enough to transfer to your $1,000 phone, but then we're going to take it back. I I just find that hilarious. Hilarious is a word for it. Uh, Stingy also comes to mind. (laughs) But uh, you get uh, for a dollar a month. These are U.S. prices. There's a link in the show notes. You can go see prices in your area. Uh, It's a dollar a month for 50 gigabytes. And with that, you get uh, one camera, ability to, to have HomeKit secure video for one camera. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, the next step up is $299 a month. That's 200 gigabytes and five cameras. And at the top of the line, there's nothing in between 200 gigabytes and two terabytes at $999 a month. And if you have the Apple One bundle, which isn't available everywhere in the world, but if you have the Apple One bundle, then the pricing's a little bit different because you're adding other things to it. There'll be a link in there in the show notes about that as well. But if, you know, a dollar a month probably covers a lot of people. I think $3 a month covers almost everybody. And they have the two terabytes for people who really need it. But if you're on the iCloud family sharing, like we are with, you know, what your kids running around, um, you, you may need that two terabytes. That's where we are. I looked, I looked ours up this morning. We pay for the two terabytes and we are using 1.1 terabytes across uh, four people. And then I guess like the legacy ID, which is also in there. 
So yeah. And see, my kids are older and they take more pictures yep. and we're like 3.5 terabytes. Cause you can also add an additional two terabytes, mm-hmm. which I've done. And we are pushing the max and, uh, and it looks to me like the only way to solve that problem is to, is to move the kids out. And uh, so maybe we'll have to do that. <laughs> yeah. My daughter's getting ready to get her first phone. She doesn't know this yet, but. Um, oh, boy. It's right oh here. Boy. It's an iPhone 8 that I had a battery put in. And uh, I assume that her usage is going to shoot up once I get hand this over to her in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But you get more than storage. You do. Uh, there, there, there's additional features with this. Um, iCloud Private Relay is like Apple's version of a B- VPN. Kind which of. Which sounded like a great idea yeah. when they announced it to me. And then you read, uh, I agree, but then you read the fine print. And while it is set up to be more secure and more well, more privacy focused, I should say, than some traditional VPNs, it only works with things you browse through Safari. And so tra- if you have this turned on, traffic through your Macedon client or through the YouTube app or through Instagram, not routed through here, only things through Safari. And it's set up where like basically there's two relay stations. And so uh, if you think about a VPN, it basically just puts your information in a tunnel from your device to the VPN provider, then out to the web. And so your ISP can't see what you're doing. Well, private relay works that way too, but it also works that Apple and its and its partners none of them have enough information to put a person and their traffic together while a traditional VPN potentially does have enough information to do that. So I think it is a better system and I'm hopeful that it could evolve to wrap all of your traffic and not just what's through Safari. My guess is that they've done this as a starting point to scale this up. Because if if you think about the data that goes in and out of your devices Browsing the web is probably not the biggest chunk of data in a given period of time. It's probably media streaming, photo syncing, that sort of thing. And that's a kind of a different bucket of data. But it is there. If you use Safari, you can turn it on. It's part of your iCloud Plus subscription. I haven't ever, other than just like playing with it, this is not something that I use on a regular basis. If I want to feel more secure and like have my, you know, if I'm traveling or something and I want my data uh, wrapped up in a VPN, I have a VPN for that. And it does everything on my system, not just what I'm doing in the Safari browser. Yeah. So I, uh, when they, this initially released, it was crippling my internet speed. It was so slow and I couldn't figure out what had happened until I realized it was private relay. So I had turned it off for, I don't know, a year and a half or so. And Mm -hmm. then as we started prepping for the show, I turned it on again and did a bunch of speed tests and it's much faster now. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot better than it was when they first launched it, which is good, but you're right. It, it does come with an asterisk. And the thing about that is just remember that if you're trying to, you know, protect your, your privacy outside of Safari, this does nothing for you, Yeah, but it doesn't cost anything. It's kind of like, you know, the keychain, you know, it doesn't cost anything. It gives you a minimal level. But I guess the fear with private relay for me is that they don't really explain it that clear. And I think a lot of people will turn this on thinking that they're protected all the way down mm-hmm. and they're not. And that's something, you know, that's a risk. Like if you don't realize that you are, your traffic can be traced, 
outside of Safari that might get you in trouble. Agreed. I, I would like to see that be made a, a bit more clear. But it's a start, right? And even you said, you know, the speed is better now. I think a lot of that has to do with capacity. And they've just had to bring more capacity online. And so this is something I'm keeping an eye on. Like as iCloud continues to progress in the coming years, uh, I hope that this becomes more of a, a blanket sort of service and not just one for Safari. It's interesting. If you look at the iCloud Plus features overall, they really have kind of a theme of privacy protection running through them all. Definitely. And which leads leads to the next one, which is hide my email. And uh, this is another one that got announced. And I, I'm not sure a lot of people are aware they have this ability. But if you're running your email through iCloud, anytime you want, you can generate a random email address and not share your email with whoever you're working with on the internet. And the way it does it is really clever. So it basically makes an alias whenever you want. You can make one on demand. You can also kill them on demand. So like if one gets out and you're getting a bunch of junk email to one of these aliases, you can just get rid of the alias and you, you don't get that email anymore. And because they don't have your re- your real email address, they have a random string of, of, of text as, as your address, then you get, uh, you get that ability to, to get out of things. You can also send from and hide my email address if you're using iCloud.com or Apple's mail app. So say that you use one of these for a task manager, you know, web service, and they send you an email and you need to reply to it for whatever reason. It comes from the hide my email address, which does two things. One, it obviously protects your real address, uh, but it also means that uh to that company or service or whatever, like that is your actual email address and it's tied to your account and everything. So this is cool and I like the management of it. I don't use iCloud email for anything. I don't use Apple's mail app on the Mac anymore. And so I'm like a half step out of this, but in people and talking with people and like, you know, cause I still do a bit of consulting. This is always something like I, I bring up with people. Like if they're using iCloud, it's like, Hey, this is actually a really cool feature. I actually recommend people turn it on because it's a great way to keep your actual email address uh, private from junk and spam. And the way Apple built it right in makes it actually really easy to do. Yeah, I do use it and it's fine. There's been no problems. And yeah. uh, I, uh, I I frequently use it when I sign up for any kind of service or go to buy something. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I will say this is a feature that is um, tied in with, sign in with Apple, which, which, you know, lets you use your Apple ID to sign into third-party stuff. And you can, in that panel, you can say, hide my email or show my real email address. I've had nothing but trouble out of this when I do my Kickstarters because I use Kickstarter. Most people use sign in with Apple, right? It's like that's my audience. But then I use a different service to fulfill. And the emails from that other service don't get through because one of these things is like, only the email, only the provider or the service can send messages to this address and the others get bounced. And and so I've had some problems with this, like chasing down people, uh, including uh, somebody who worked at Apple on, uh, let's just say, a uh, a privacy-related feature at Apple. And that, that made me laugh. But yeah. um, look, that's my problem. Like, it's a, it's a very uh, obscure problem. But if you use hide my email, like you're not getting a message you think you should, Maybe look into it because it may be somebody on the other end and getting frustrated. Yeah, but that also kind of outlines a, a general disregard at Apple for uh, people on the world making money on the internet 
based on information about users. I mean, they mm-hmm. just don't care. In fact, if anything, they're they're going to look for ways to make it harder. That's the reason why Facebook is so mad yeah. um, with some of the things they've done in terms of Safari cookies and all that. The, uh, but this, that's a, a, they are always going to choose user privacy over making it convenient for people on the internet, um, you know, on the back end of the internet uh, every time. And uh, I don't think you're going to get much help from Apple on that. Mm-mm. Uh, another disruptor feature is the HomeKit Secure Video. And man, was I happy when they announced this. This is you know another iCloud feature. If you've got cameras that support iCloud um, uh, HomeKit Secure Video, that means that rather than paying a vendor $100 a year to track and store your se- uh, security video on their servers, uh, which has a ton of problems, it costs you money, but also... Who's who sees those servers yeah. and you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. <laughs> Yuffie just had that happen to it. And like the stuff on my, cause I have some Yuffie cameras, but yeah. the, all the stuff on the interior is on HomeKit secure video. It doesn't go to Yuffie. Yeah. And I trust Apple. It's, you know, that I, I just have not had a problem with that. In fact, the way HomeKit works is my interior cameras only shoot video when I leave. They don't, I mean, you don't, except for the one pointed at the dog crate. Um, none of them are ever live except when they're when we leave the house. So uh, you're good. Um, and I just love that they did that. Now there are some some asterisks again. Like they downscale video. Like I have 2K cameras. They only record in 1K at HomeKit Secure Video. And uh, I feel like the action trigger is a little slow in terms of like when it detects motion and starts shooting. But but otherwise. Um, this is one that could use some work, but I think is right is on the right track and doing the right thing. I think so too. And this is an, another area where Apple can do their thing of like, we do machine learning and AI, but on your devices, right? Like on your, whatever your home hub is a home pod or an Apple TV or something. That is what's working on analyzing this video to tell you if there's a person or a car or a pet or whatever. Whereas this is my use all that's happening in the cloud, right? It's streaming up to the web and it's doing stuff and then it comes back down. I get a push notification and I've made a trade-off there, right? Like I knew what I was getting into. I made that trade-off with my eyes open, but this is um, HomeKit Secure Video is really a different way of thinking about it. And there's really not many people doing it the way Apple does. Eufy was close, but turns out they were doing it to the cloud anyways, for at least for some things. So they're in hot water, but if you're really privacy focused on your cameras, then HomeKit Secure Video, I think, has has come a long way. And it's good to hear that you've had good luck with it. I've my experience with it was very early. And uh it was like when like one camera supported it <laughs> and it was kind of kind of weird, but that ecosystem has grown and uh, matured the last couple of couple of years. Yeah. And if you're at the highest tier, you can have an unlimited number of cameras in it. So it it's it's very robust. And you can have it run your whole system. And the nice thing about HomeKit Secure Video, if you're dealing with non-techie people, they and they start to understand that they go to the home app to, to do home automation stuff, the cameras can show up right there, you know. And it just works. Like I, I mentioned earlier, the dog crate. My, I just the other night, um, my wife. I noticed every night she goes on the camera and checks the dog to make sure it's asleep before she goes to sleep. I thought it was kind of sweet. That is know? sweet. <laughs> yeah, but she does that with the camera, and the kids do the same thing. That when they are not living here, they 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 want to see the dog. 
Mm-hmm. They don't care about dad, but they do care about the yeah. dog. <laughs> you know, but all that stuff is very possible with HomeKit Secure Video. And mm-hmm. before that, you had to like choose a vendor and worry about their cloud. And it just was a big pain in the neck. And, yeah. and it's a problem solved with iCloud. Um, a, you know, the running theme here, it's not the best way to do cloud storage for video. Um, it, it, you know, there are trade-offs and it could be better, but it's very competent. You know, I, I just wish that the resolution was higher. And the, I mean, like I said earlier, there, there are things I would fix with it, but they're on the right track. The last kind of big component of iCloud Plus is iCloud custom email domain. So if you use uh, Google Apps or Fastmail or Hover, you know, a bunch of there's a bunch of providers where you can have your own domain be your email address. So my work email, Stephen at relay.fm. It's hosted on Google, right? I own the domain, but Google handles the email. Uh, You can now finally do this with iCloud. People, this is something people wanted for a long time. You can use up to five domains with an account and three personalized email addresses per domain. So if you're a big company, like this is not what this is, right? This is really a consumer, like I want my wife and I to have our last name as as our email address, right? This is not a a Fortune 500 solution like Google or Microsoft or others offer. But it does give you the ability to have your personalized email address. You can sign in with that email address to messages and FaceTime, et cetera. And you also have uh, the ability to share it with your family sharing group. So again, if you had like last name, you could add that to family sharing and people could create their own personalized addresses that way. Which is uh, which is pretty cool. In fact, they've even added that outside of your family now. So, if we wanted the Mac Power users' email to be hosted on iCloud for some reason, we could do that too. I don't think we want to, but we could. No, no. I, I, this one is the head scratcher for me. I feel like if you're going to get a domain, you're better to own your own domain. <laughs> I just, you know what I mean. Uh, but I, I'm sure some people. In fact, if you're using this in a creative way, let us know. I'd like to hear about that. Yeah, I would too. I haven't really, I think Rosemary played with it some, but I don't know anyone using this in like production, quote unquote. So if you are, please let us know. There's a feedback form. There's a link in your show notes. Let us know. Uh, We have a feedback show next week, actually. But I feel like this checks a box for people who want to use iCloud, who want to use their own domain. And clearly there's enough demand out there for Apple to do it. My core problem with iCloud email is that the spam protection isn't as good as Google's. And the server-side rules are just are nothing compared to what Google's can do. And yeah. I rely on both of those things a lot. And so I made the decision four or five years ago to just move my personal email back to my Gmail address, which I've had since the beginning. I was like in the beta early on. I mean, it was like an April Fool's, like a gigabyte of email data seemed uh, miraculous back at the time. But um, I used my iCloud email for a while because it was really... Like, I like the way it looked, and it was sort of catchy, and I use iCloud for a bunch of other stuff. But ultimately, Gmail is just more powerful, and that's what I want. But uh, that's not true for everybody. Some people really don't want to use Gmail or Google for their email, and I totally understand that. And if you want to use iCloud, but you also want to use your own domain, then now you have that escape patch to do it. Yeah, and we're going to we're gonna do a, a deep dive email show. Hopefully later this year, both Steve and I have been working on that. Um 
But a very short version of some of that for me is I am fine with iCloud for my personal email. My personal email doesn't have the demands on it. My professional email does. Mm-hmm. And then I, I switched a year or two ago to Fastmail for the Max Sparky stuff. Yeah. And I am in love. But we'll talk about that another day. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Indeed. Go to Indeed.com slash MPU and join more than 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. When it comes to hiring, you need to trust your gut. But what if you could give your gut some help? When you want top talent fast, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. And if you hate waiting, Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match their job description the moment they sponsor a new job. Instant Match really is incredible. As soon as you sponsor a post, you'll get that short list of quality candidates and you can invite them to apply right away. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows that when you're doing everything for your company, you can't afford to overspend on hiring. Visit Indeed.com slash MPU to start hiring now. That's I-N-D-E-E-D dot com slash MPU. Indeed.com slash MPU. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing is not available for everyone. Do you need to hire? You need Indeed. And our thanks to Indeed for their support of the Mac Power Users and all of Relay FM. Let's talk a little bit about troubleshooting when it comes to iCloud. Uh, this has historically been one of those things that that power users are kind of frustrated with with iCloud and, and with some of Apple's apps in general, where you don't have a lot of visibility into what's going on necessarily when something is is acting up. For me, the single biggest advice I can give you is if you're running into trouble with something syncing or, or not syncing or, you know, hey, I, I put all these photos, took all these photos and there's not showing up like. I look at the Apple system status page because there's a list here of like, I don't even even know, dozens of, of individual services. They're all broken down. And you can see, oh, uh, iCloud calendar is down right now. So that's why my events aren't showing up. In fact, you and I ran into this a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we were having trouble with the our shared iCloud calendar for MPU. I somehow like wasn't on it anymore. You're trying to add me back and we couldn't do it. And then, like I looked at the system status, like oh, it's red. Like they're having issues the very moment that we're trying to deal with it. And honestly, anytime I have an issue with any of this stuff, nine times out of ten, it's a system issue on Apple's part. And if you just wait it out, then it will sort itself out. Uh, that's frustrating, but it's also kind of reassuring. Like okay, it's not something I did. I'm just waiting on Apple to to fix this. And that is probably the biggest downside of the iCloud service is that there are occasions where things are read on that page. And uh, I, I don't use Google enough to have a comparison, but my impression is Google does not get downtime as often as iCloud does. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I'll give Apple credit that this system status seems to be honest. Like I feel like I've run into issues. It's here. And they show some history, 
a little bit. Uh, like right now, it's all green. If there had been a, an issue in the last 24 hours or so, they would show it here. But I'm glad it's here because iCloud's not working is like a very vague thing. And yeah. if it's not the system status page telling you what's going on, then basically you have options to like reboot a device or sometimes like go into airplane mode and come back out and that will like... Uh, Give it a g- kick. Yeah, kind of like, hey, do your thing. Yeah. But if that doesn't do it, it's like, what do you do? Like you can turn iCloud off for whatever application or, or system component that that's acting up. You can sign out of iCloud, but that's a nightmare because uh, yeah. you have like stuff everywhere that's freaking out. There's just not a lot of levers you can pull to troubleshoot this. Agreed. And that kind of goes along with my complaints earlier about iCloud Drive. It's just like we would need more granular control and uh, just a little more data. Uh, and and maybe like some kind of big reset button that doesn't involve us signing out. I, I am so hesitant to tell people to sign out of iCloud because so often the the cure is worse than the disease hmm. you know when you do that but there aren't a lot of things you can do once you get to a certain point once you've rebooted the device once you've tried signing off and on with the toggles and the iCloud settings if it still isn't working there are instances where signing out of iCloud and signing back into iCloud fixes it and I guess I have a few complaints with that number one is that's super difficult and an extreme measure that that breaks other things and second that should never be the necessary fix, in my opinion. I mean, it should be good enough that the, there's a problem. Having to nuke the whole connection is the solution. Th- that should never be the solution. Yeah. There should be other ways to fix it. Totally agree. And and you and I are nerds. We make a show about this stuff, right? <laughs> right. But people out in the world, when they just turn off iCloud, it, well, it says on the Apple website, if you go to the support articles quite often, the bottom step is, well, just, you know, sign out of iCloud and then sign back in. And these people do it and they don't realize what kind of, you know, havoc they're going to release. Yeah, because when you do that or when you toggle a service on or off, sometimes it gives you options like, oh, do you want to keep your contacts local on your device? Do you want to delete them? It's like, well, I don't want to delete them. I want them. But then you have your contacts locally and in iCloud. And when you turn it back on, you're just hoping that it syncs the way it's supposed to. Like there's some fuzziness there. And honestly, um, rebooting solves all sorts of woes. It really does. That's always my first advice to people. Like someone sends me a text, I can't print. Restart the printer in your computer. Text me back if it doesn't fix it, right? I never hear back from them. But have you ever watched the IT crowd? No, we've had this conversation before. I have not. Uh, I think you've told me to to do it before. I, I don't, the next time this comes up, I want you to have watched it. Okay. All right. All right. If, if not, you're going to have to give money to St. Jude. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's just, let's set up, let's set a hundred bucks. Okay. Okay. All right. There, there's a cost to you. No, I want you. Okay. And people in the audience, if you if you like Mac Power Users, you'll like IT Crowd. That's all I'm going to say. I'm watching The Crown right now. It's a very different vibe. <laughs> you say that again. <laughs> well, they are British people, but. There you go. Yeah. Different stations in life. <laughs> iCloud iCloud does give you some tools to recover deleted files. So if you delete a note or contact or calendar, 
event. There's a couple different categories here. You can log into iCloud.com and recover some of that stuff. It holds it for 30 days, and it has to have been deleted from a device that had iCloud Drive turned on. So if for some reason you had iCloud Drive turned off and you delete a contact, you're not going to be able to recover it. I think they're using iCloud Drive as like some sort of weirdo backup system in an invisible way. But uh, if you do remove something or, or say that you're using, you know, go back to the, the iWork example, right? That you have your Keynote file within Keynote's sort of iCloud folder and you actually delete it, uh, then it shows up at iCloud.com to recover again for those those 30 days. So you can save your bacon. And really, there's a lot on the uh, the iCloud website, but their recovery file thing can definitely save your bacon. All right. Can we move over to iCloud uh, security? Because I feel like that's been underlying this whole discussion, but there's also some additional stuff you need to know if you're going to use iCloud. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Apple, I think really, of one thing they are best at, I think, is protecting users in terms of cloud services. I feel like that's a, you know, very high on the whiteboard over there in Cupertino. And uh, sometimes it causes frustration, but other times uh, you're really thankful for it. And so let's break down the different ways they've implemented security, starting with two-factor authentication. Yeah, so two-factor uh, the, the basis of this is something you know and something you have. So you buy a new iPad, you sign in with your iCloud account. So that's something that you know. You know your password. But now it's going to ask for something that you have. And so it's going to send you a notification to the other devices already signed in with that iCloud account. And it's going to present you with a code that you have to you know type in on your new iPad. Uh, it also gives you, depending on where you are in the world, gives you a map of your location that's based on your ISP. So anytime I sign into something, it says I'm in Jackson, Mississippi. I'm not. I'm a couple hours away from Jackson, Mississippi, but that's where Comcast business class, I guess, in my neighborhood thinks that it is. But if you get one of those when you're just in the grocery store and you haven't signed into anything, then obviously something something may be going on. But I don't read too much in the location if I know that I'm the one signing into something. Yeah, and and they, they're not doing it through SIM co- cards, you know, which no. are spoofable. and. Uh, I mean, this is the right way to do two-factor authentication. Yeah, and it it's really easy because if you're just signed in to iCloud on your other devices, it just shows up. You know, you don't have to worry about, oh, did I give it an old phone number or uh, or something like that. You can, in some scenarios, fall back to a phone number. So I have this set up on uh, Relay's like corporate Apple ID that we used when we had an app and it still is just hung around for some reason. We have a couple of purchases on it. If I ever have to sign into that, the MacBook Pro, it thinks it's sitting in code too. Like, I don't know what MacBook Pro that is. Like, it's not a machine I have yeah. anymore. And yeah. so that there's a, you know, sometimes you can set it up to have a fallback to an SMS. But Apple's way of doing it just in the OS being signed in is uh, is really sweet. And it's really fast. It is really fast. Sometimes you're waiting for a 2FA code over SMS or over email and you're just waiting and waiting. Apple's done the work to make it nice and speedy which means that it's not annoying, right? If security is annoying, if it gets in your way, people are going to turn it off. If I get a code on my phone two seconds after I hit the return key on my iPad I'm setting up, I'm not mad about it. Yeah. And then the next piece of it is, what do they do with your data on their servers? You know, we've talked about all these server firms they built. You know, is it encrypted there? And, and there's a couple different ways this works. They 
they have one called they call encrypted in flight, which means the data gets encrypted as it's been being sent to the data center and back from the data center. But while it's in the data center, Apple can read it. And then they have what they call end-to-end encryption, which means the data is encrypted entirely from the moment it leaves your device up to their server and then back to your device. So uh, then Apple can't read that. And this one's complicated. It is. So by default, so the way it's been forever, unless you opt in to advanced data protection, which we'll talk about in a second, the default iCloud security settings, like you said, the data is encrypted across the wire. So someone on your network's not going to like sniff your photos. It's all encrypted there. But the encryption keys for almost everything are held by Apple. That means that Apple can decrypt that data on their servers. Again, there's there's four actually 14 categories that uh, Apple does not have a key for. Things like health data, HomeKit data, payment information, that sort of stuff. But they do this. So if you have to contact Apple for data recovery, hey, I'm locked out of my Apple ID. What can you do? Then the data can be decrypted because they have a key. Now, that also means that if Uncle Sam or somebody else comes knocking and and they want a copy of your data, Apple can decrypt some of it. And that uh, obviously has... Or they get hacked. Yeah. Yeah, or they get hacked, right? There's obviously complications there. But that's the way it is uh, by default. And I think the 14, I'm not going to read all of them, but uh, the iCloud uh, data security overview link in the show notes has all of this in there. It's just an interesting read, like just to kind of see how this stuff works. Yeah, and if you're worried, just let me ease your mind. Your Memoji are end-to-end encrypted. That one blew my mind. Why is that <laughs> Why is that on the list by default? I get the rest yeah. of it, right? I get Siri data and payment information and your maps history, but Memoji is like, oh, good. No one's going to get my Memoji at the Apple data center. But your iCloud storage is not part of this. That's, that's a big one. Like mm-hmm. if you're storing files on iCloud, drive they have access to that yeah and this is not unusual like a lot of cloud services act this way because they need access to your data for customer service reasons right it's 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 not that someone is like some random apple care person's picking through your photos it's that this is here in case they need you in case you need them to recover your account now with advanced data protection which has just come out like basically just a couple of months ago, it just rolled out worldwide like two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, advanced data protection basically moves where the encryption keys are. So instead of Apple having the encryption key, uh, you do. It's just on your devices. And that means that if you lose access to your account, Apple cannot recover it because all they have is a blob of encrypted data that they can't get into. They don't know what's in there. It's just a block of data. And, and, and so now you're you're taking things into your own hands. Yeah, which is, I think, what most Mac Power users want. I mean, the idea of Apple being able to see my data, it doesn't bother me so much. The, the thing that really worries me, frankly, is hacking. I mean, it's just such an industry, right? There are entire businesses built around hacking. I know Apple's doing everything they can, but if somebody ever does get into Apple... I don't want them having access to all my my documents in iCloud. And um, so I feel like this is something that I want to do. I actually haven't turned it on yet. I've been researching it as we prep for the show. Uh, but I, I just wanted to give it a little bit more time to settle because it's such a big deal. 
But the way you explain it is good. I mean, you are pulling the keys down to your device and Apple no longer has them. And yeah. so if somebody gets into the Apple systems, they can't get them either. And that is the best security that we could really ask for. Yeah. So so with ADP turned on, to recover a, an account, you need your personal device passcode a recovery contact or a personal recovery key. Now, when you set up ADP, it prompts you for these things. So it prompts you to set up a personal recovery key. You know, I've got mine stashed somewhere safe. Uh, I have my spouse and my brother set as recovery contacts. So if for some reason I can't get into my accounts, they have per- my per- advanced permission for Apple to let them in. Uh, because basically they are they have a copy of my key. That's how it works. It's not Apple letting them in in the sense that Apple has the key. It's that they are given a key to my account as well. This is something that is brand new, but I've turned it on. Uh, I think a lot of our listeners probably have turned it on or, or will shortly because I I do want uh, as much encryption around my stuff as as possible. Now, there are still, go read the, the big document. There are still some carve-outs with this, uh, with some things that Apple just has to have the key for. There's very few, but all in all, this is a good move. And I think Apple has been working towards this for a long time. And I think it's, uh, if you want this because you're the type of user who wants it, it's actually pretty easy to set up. You do it in settings, takes a couple of minutes and then you're, you're all good to go with advanced data protection. Yeah. And I know that Apple is really on the game here about uh, consumer protection and uh, data protection. Uh, for years, I've been hearing from people inside Apple complaining about, frankly, the number of subpoenas they get served and everything. They don't want to <laughs> be involved with this, right? And uh, I think it's great, and I'm all for it. With ADP, uh, one of the things that changes is access to your iCloud data on the web. So you can, in your iCloud settings, you can say, I don't want iCloud.com to have access to my content. So the idea is that if it's not on the website, then it's like basically tied to your devices. Maybe it's it's more secure. Maybe it just gives you greater peace of mind. Uh, ADP automatically turns off iCloud.com data access. And so that's how I have mine. When I log into iCloud.com, I get a banner at the top saying, hey, you've disabled this because of a, a da- advanced data protection. So it does tell you uh, what's going on there. Uh, but a good setting because a lot of people, um, a lot of people use the iCloud.com website. I think a lot if they're you know like on a, a Windows PC and they use iCloud for all their personal stuff. Maybe they want it. But if you're like me, I never look at the iCloud website. Like <laughs> after I logged into, it's like when did this get redesigned? Like I'm just I'm never yeah. there, so I I turned it off and it's not going to impact me really in any great way. Well, uh, really, advanced data protection is a big reason why the show got made. And I think it's not on enough people's radar, and I think uh, you should check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, a question that comes up with data and ownership is, you know, what happens when you are no longer here? You know, how do people get your data? Apple's got a solution for that, too. They do. Uh, so you can add somebody as a legacy contact. And if you die, then Apple grants them access to the data in your Apple account. There's a whole knowledge base article about like how to request access for uh, someone who has who has passed, and you have to be the legacy contact. But you can also there's like 
a bunch of legal stuff in here you can do. You know, you got to, I guess, prove that you are allowed to do it and they're actually gone. Uh, but once that's all done, legacy contacts can recover uh, a lot of stuff from the iCloud account. I think most importantly, it's photos, right? I think that's like the top of the list that comes to mind for everybody, especially me. But yeah. uh, notes, mail, reminders, contacts, a bunch of that stuff. They cannot recover purchased media. So uh, when I die, my kids will not be able to, uh, through legacy contact, get access to all the emo music I bought in 2006 for my iPod, right? But it's, but I, I don't think they would care. I think it, for, for the people who want this, it is the, uh, the photos, the notes, the emails, the uh, iCloud drive files, those sorts of things, voice memos. So um, this thing is a pretty great system. Obviously, have not experimented with it because I felt like dying for the show was probably a bit much. But yeah. uh, hopefully, you know, everyone will need this eventually. This is something that when I did advanced data protection for my wife and I, I also spent a couple of minutes making sure our legacy contacts were set up the way I wanted them to be. And it's something that, you know, when our kids get older, like when they're adults, I will add them as legacy contacts because I don't, we don't have the shoe boxes full of photos under the bed. They're all in photos, the app. Yeah. They're all in iCloud photo library. And I want them to have access to that if we're gone. And uh, and so this is something that I just sort of have a, it, it may change over time, but something that I, I want to be aware of, like I want to make sure this all these ducks are in a row. You know, the same thing, it's kind of related, but like 1Password is a sponsor, uh, but they have a, a feature similar to this where if something happens to me, my spouse can get into like the family vault and stuff without me, right? Yeah. This is important, important yeah. stuff. It's weird to talk about because we don't want to think about it, but it is an important thing. And I was really psyched when they added this. And I think take a couple of minutes. If you don't get anything from this episode, I want you to get two things. One, take a few minutes and review and or set up legacy contact. And then really consider if you're the type of user who can manage advanced data protection. Not all users are. Some users are going to want the fallback to call Apple to get led into their account if they're locked out. If you can manage that, then I think ADP is well uh, worth turning on. So I think these are the two areas. These, this is your homework, dear listener, is to look at these two areas and make sure that all your uh, all your stuff is the way you want it. Yeah, and I, uh, I'm a big fan of, of all these services. I, it's just remarkable to me how it, they started out with something as simple as we need a way for people to sync their contacts. I know. <laughs> you know, and it's come so far. In fact, how is iCloud today? How do you feel like it's doing at this point in the progression? I feel like it's really in a, in a good place. I mean, yes, there are the occasional hiccups, but that's true of any service. It's true of any software, right? That's just the way of the world. I feel like Apple's done a really good job at making iCloud really wide that it has all these different features that we've talked about and some that we didn't even get to. And you don't have to use them all. You can use a subset of them and it's perfectly happy to let you do that. For the lack of troubleshooting, there is a fair amount of of optionality. Like if you don't want to use iCloud email, but you want to use iCloud for your contacts and calendars, it doesn't care. You just like flip the switch and and it just works. I think Apple's done a good job with that. I think, like I said at the top of the show, it's clear they're taking this very seriously and it's clear they're putting a lot of resources into iCloud. And I think on the whole, 
it's in pretty good shape. And uh, I hope they continue to evolve it and push it as needs change, right? Like 15 years ago, having your photo library synced everywhere, not only was it difficult technically, but most people didn't have that many digital photos. And now that's all we have. And people expect it, so Apple built it. And as long as they continue to be responsive to the market and to what their users want, then I think they will continue to be in a good place with it. I agree with everything you said, I, but I do think there's a bit of tension right now with um, iCloud in general and Apple's press towards services revenue. You know, that's a big deal that they've, you know, made, you know, they're making all this money now on services and iCloud fits right in that, right? It's a, I, one of the reasons iCloud Plus exists is because they found a way to, to charge for it, you know, to give you some additional features charge you a few bucks, and when you multiply that t- times their millions of users, it adds up to a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that's okay, and I think that's just the way it is. Apple is going to continue to try and make money out of the services. I think, though, if you're going to do that, I'd like to see a little bit more attention on it. Um, I'd like you to see a little bit more granular control. I feel like the way they're asking for money now uh, means that they also need to give us some kind of return on investment in the sense of, you know, more power user features. I mean, like one of the ones I forgot to mention when we talk about iCloud Drive is better shareable links. And they're, they're like in the ballpark, but you can clearly see companies like Dropbox doing things like that better. And I would like to see them, if they're going to make that much money off of it, then put some resources into it to make it even better. And uh, that's the tension I feel with it. I mean, I, I, I'm with you that they're stable and it's good. And like, I like the privacy features and the security uh, focus, but I would like to see a lot of these features get just a little better too. Mm-hmm. Where are we using iCloud? Yeah, so I'm using it for a lot of things. The, the major exceptions for me, like I said, using Gmail or Google apps for all of my email. Uh, I'm using Dropbox for cloud file sync. Some of that is some of the limitations of iCloud Drive that you outlined. I will say that the new Dropbox that has to conform to like the new cloud file provider API kind of makes Dropbox worse in a lot of ways and, and kind of put, puts it in, in line with iCloud Drive and some of these features. But my entire shared workflow with everybody I work with is built on Dropbox. And so if I wanted to move off of it, I would have to convince a lot of other people to move off of it too. And um, that's not something I'm super interested in. So Dropbox is still the my cloud file provider of choice, definitely. But the rest of it, I'm using a lot of it. You know, I'm using it to sync all my calendars and contacts, and uh, of course, all the apps that I use. You know, that use iCloud behind the scenes. Um, I'm not using really much of anything in the iCloud Plus library except for the additional storage. But you know, if iCloud Private Relay, like we said, becomes more broad, it's something that I would look at if I could drop my VPN subscription i would uh be into that so quite a bit what about you i'm using all the iclouds oh yeah there's a few exceptions i mentioned through the show but i'm uh, i went in with icloud uh, data storage or icloud drive really early because i did a lot of work on the ipad and i wanted to have things there and it was just easier i do still have a dropbox account and i do still use it like you said there are work things i do that just require dropbox but I have a lot of my own data in Dropbox, both personal and professional. 
so much so that I'm, I'm worried about storage size. You know, I, I might need to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I am the uh, perfect customer in Apple's eyes because I use a bunch of it. Or maybe I'm not the perfect customer. Maybe they just want people who pay for it and don't use it. But <laughs> I'm the guy who uh, got the all-you-can-eat salad bar and keeps going back to the table. But the, <laughs> That's uh, right. <laughs> but I, I do think that it's, I feel generally okay with it. I don't, I don't have moments. And years ago, there have been times where I'm like thinking, I can't do this anymore. I have to go to Dropbox. I have to go to Google or something because the stuff isn't working. I don't feel that way anymore. And I don't have those kinds of problems. Now, granted, I'm sure in the forums, we're going to hear all the war stories once the show publishes and there yeah, yeah. are war stories, you know, I get it. But, but the, uh, in general, it's just been pretty stable for me and does the job. I feel like I'm happy with it, but I'm not ecstatic with it. I, as you know, a running theme through this show is I feel like they could do better on a lot of these and it doesn't take much more. Mm-hmm. But the, the, if the job was building a reliable underlying system for all their systems and platforms, I think they've done it. Yeah, me too. It's taken them some time, but they've gotten there. And well, I don't think it's an easy problem. I mean, I, no. this is you, building data centers is not the only thing you got to solve here. I mean, it's, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of effort, but you know, seeing them turn around the idea that, you know, Apple is bad at cloud and services and turn that around to, no, they're actually pretty good at it is what makes me think they could fix Siri too. If they, if they did one of these, you know, boil the, the ocean projects to fix it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it just makes me want, you know, it makes me look at other problems in the company and say, yeah, you guys are capable of this. Just go do it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we do have a forum. I mentioned it. It's at talk.macpowerusers.com. Go ahead. Light us up. Tell us what you hate about iCloud or what you like about it if you're using it. Um, We'd love to hear what you're doing. We have a feedback show next week, so get it in there soon if you want us to talk about it. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors, Text Expander, ZocDoc, and Indeed. We are the Mac Powers. You can find us at relay.fm slash MPU, and we'll see you next time.